Good morning. Thank you. I'm Reverend Angela Wells-Bean. I'm your minister for congregational care. You may or may not have noticed that I was gone for a few weeks, but I'm glad to be back among you all and worshiping again. Uh, I want to extend a special welcome to our folks who are worshiping with us at Bentley Village and Arbor Trace. We are so glad that you're able to gather together in community and participate in worship this morning. And welcome to everyone who's joining us remotely, no matter where you are, near or far. And welcome, of course, to everyone who is here in our sanctuary. Thank you for choosing to spend your Sunday morning together with us. I'd like to ask you to register your attendance with us. So you can grab those blue attendance pads if you're here in the sanctuary, that they're, they're at the edge of your pews. Take a moment to fill that out, please. And if you have any contact, updated contact information, we would love that so we can keep our database current and then pass it along to your neighbor. And if you're worshiping with us remotely, you can write your name in the comments section. Tell us where you are this morning, where you're worshiping from. And while you're there, you can click on a link, which will pull up a PDF of our bulletin so that you can follow along. Uh, As we've been having every Sunday this summer, we have lay leaders who are serving as liturgists, and so I want to welcome back Kathy Book. She did such an incredible job last time. I'm just kidding. We asked her to help lead worship again, and she's doing so much in the service, and we're thankful for her. So thank you, Kathy, for assisting with worship today. I have a few announcements to bring to your attention. Two of them are fun social events. So if you're looking for ways to just be in community with others and get together and have fun and no agendas or business or voting and just get to know your church community better, you can join us on Tuesday afternoon, this Tuesday at, hold on, uh, 4.30. It's a social soiree at the restaurant Uncle Julio's near the Coastland Mall. So that's this Tuesday at 4.30 at Uncle Julio's. Just come, have a bite to eat, and socialize with other folks from the church. And you can sign up in the gathering place or by calling the church office. So that's our first social event. The second social event is next week. It's Wednesday, July 26th, and that's dinner and a movie. The movie will be here in Beverly Hall at 4 o'clock, and it's the finest hours. And then the dinner following um, is also at Uncle Julio's as well. So go to Uncle Julio's twice. Uh, and so that, that dinner will be after the movie. So that's next Wednesday. Again, you can sign up in the gathering place or contact the church office. And if you forgot any of this, don't worry. It is all in your bulletin this morning. Uh, Not very fun update on terms of our campus improvements, but very necessary and important is that we are getting a new chiller. This chiller will provide uh, much-needed air conditioning to Beverly Hall, Nelson Hall, McSpadden Hall, and the Precious Cargo Academy campus. Uh, And that will be installed starting tomorrow, and it'll take all week. And we're telling you this because those buildings this week will not have air conditioning. And I think the most relevant piece of it for most of us is Nelson Hall, because there are events that go on there throughout the week. Uh, If there's something scheduled to be in Nelson Hall, it will be relocated. The bulletin does say Nelson, but you can disregard that. I don't think anyone would be comfortable (laughs) meeting in Nelson Hall with no AC. But come to campus, and we'll redirect you to the alternative location. And uh, another update from the bulletin is that 
the calendar says there's a justice committee meeting on Wednesday, but that's a misprint. That's not happening. No justice committee meeting on Wednesday. The next meeting isn't till August. So I think that's all the updates I have for this morning. And now let us center ourselves as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship. The Lord is the sower of the seeds of love and redemption. But we have not always been ready to receive these seeds. Today, we hear again the scriptures that remind us of the awesome generosity of God. Help us be good soil, O God, prepared to receive your love and to grow in that love. Turn to your bulletins as we join together in the prayer of invocation. Let us pray. O God, we gather together in your presence with expectation hungry for an encounter with you, eager to hear your word. Open our eyes and ears to the presence of your Holy Spirit. May the seeds of your word scattered among us this morning fall on fertile soil. May they take root in our hearts and lives and produce an abundant harvest of good words and deeds. Amen. I invite you to be in the spirit of prayer with me as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. For all the blessings of this life, we give thanks to you, Creator God. For families, friends, colleagues, neighbors, and strangers who nurture us, that the love of God may grow within. That your love, your word, like a seed, may grow to produce in us good fruit for the leaders of various nations and cities, that they may lead with strong hearts and gentle hands and generous spirits with compassion and mercy, with wisdom and grace. May they reflect your will, guiding all their actions and decisions. For those who serve in harm's way, those who live in dangerous places, those who live in areas of war and strife, those who live in fear, those who worry about employment, bills, food, and struggle just to find dignity in life. May your grace bring peace and safety to all people, one to another. For those who suffer from any illness or disease of mind, body, or spirit, restore these and all those we carry in our hearts to fullness of health, health as only you, O God, can bring. May your mercy shower each of us with healing mercy and love. For those who are dying and for those who have died, send forth your comforting love. Give solace to those who mourn. Console those who grieve. May your grace surround us like a mantle upon our heads, a shawl upon our shoulders, a hand to hold our hand. Whatever we are today, Whatever the mix of path, rock, thorns, or soil, help us to aspire to become the good soil where an abundant harvest may flourish. Remind us again of your mercy and love, for we offer this in the name of your Son, Jesus the risen Christ, who first taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today's scripture comes from the book of Matthew. You are welcome to follow along in your bulletins. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the lake. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood at the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them, Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Here ends the reading. I attended General Synod about a week or so ago, and General Synod is the national gathering of the United Church of Christ, which is the denomination that we are a part of. It happens every two years, and it's always in a different location. This year, it happened to be in Indianapolis. General Synod is a five-day mega UCC convention. And it has incredible worship services with phenomenal preachers. It has workshops. It has plenary sessions where we gather and discuss the business of the church and pass resolutions. It has an exhibition hall. And it has meals where we eat together. Folks that go to General Synod are delegates, representatives from the conferences around the nation. 
their honored guests, their national staff, and visitors. I have been as a delegate in the past, and I'm grateful for their work, but I went as a visitor this year, and I did not miss those 6.30 a.m. meetings. General Synod is an incredible, spirit-filled gathering of thousands of our siblings in Christ in the UCC. I was able to see David Greenhaw. He sends his regards. Ron Patterson was there. And our own Mike Downs was there. Some of you may not know that Mike Downs, a very active member of our church, is the retired CEO of the pension boards, and he was recognized as an honored guest. So it was really special to see that. If this sounds like something you might be interested in attending in the future, talk to me. I would love to have more Naples UCC representation there. It'll be in two years in summer 2025 in Kansas City. If you want to go as a visitor, we can make it happen. Or if you want to go as a delegate from the Florida Conference, just think about it. Let that seed germinate and see how it might take root later on because it was really a wonderful event. But I want to share with you one experience that I had, which was a luncheon I attended. And this luncheon was a fundraiser for the anti-racism work that our national setting is doing. And the guest speaker was Brian Stevenson. Just by a show of hands, when I say the name Brian Stevenson, does that sound familiar to any of you? Some of you? Okay. Well, when I describe him, you might say, oh, I've heard of him before. So Brian Stevenson's founded, founded the Equal Justice Initiative They are responsible for the lynching memorial in Montgomery, Alabama. He wrote a bestseller called Just Mercy, and it was adapted into a movie just a few years ago. He's received a Presidential Medal of Honor. He's received all kinds of honorary doctorates and accolades. He's argued cases before the Supreme Court, and he is just a formidable presence in the civil rights work. And he shared a story during his keynote speech, which I want to share with you. And I will just add that we heard a lot of great speakers that week. But Brian Stevenson was, in my opinion, the best public speaker I heard and maybe the best I've ever heard in my life. He's not a pastor, but he preached for over an hour. So if you ever get a chance to hear him, I can't recommend him enough or just Google him and watch some of his speeches. He's so inspiring. He made everyone in that conference ballroom, I think, want to leave and go straight to law school. So he shared a story of when he was in law school and he was doing a summer internship in Alabama and they told him, We need you to go to the federal prison and tell one of our clients that we've gotten a stay of execution and you won't have an execution date for at least a year. This person was on death row. So Stevenson said he was afraid, he was worried, he'd never been to a prison before, he felt totally unqualified to do this, but he was a summer intern, you know, and the lawyers told him, so he got in his car and he made the drive. And he went to the prison and he went through all the security checkpoints and he sits in this drab cinder block room and he's waiting for his client to come in and eventually the guards bring him in. He's in the orange jumpsuit with shackles around his wrists and his ankles and he's covered in chains. And Stevenson said seeing him was like seeing a caged animal. So the guards take off all of the, all of the shackles and, and he sits down and they start talking and Stevenson delivers the news that he came to tell him, which is, we've gotten a stay and you're not going to have an execution date for at least a year. And the man just starts weeping. 
And he explains to Brian that his family had been wanting to visit him in prison, but he wouldn't let them come because he thought he would have an execution date and he didn't want them to see him knowing when he was going to be killed. But he said, since you've given me another year, you've given me my family back. So their conversation continued and it went on much longer than the allotted time that the prison had allowed. So finally, when their conversation wraps up, the guards come back in and they take it out on the prisoner that the meeting ran over time and they really start roughing him up. They grab his arms and they start kicking him and acting way too aggressively as they're putting the shackles back on his wrist, pinching his skin. And Brian Stevenson, for his part, is just like traumatized by this and saying, stop doing that. You know, it's not his fault that our meeting ran long. Stop it. That's not necessary. He wasn't resisting or anything like that. And then the man plants his feet on the ground, straightens up his shoulders, holds his head high and starts singing. And he says, I'm pressing on the upward way. No telling where I'm going. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And he continues to sing this hymn back to his jail cell. Stevenson said in that moment, he realized the importance of proximity, of getting close to people that we're trying to serve or help or minister to that we have to be in their presence and hear their stories. He said, there's so many lawmakers in state capitals around the country and in Washington, D.C., and they pass this legislation and these laws which are supposed to help their constituents who are suffering the most. But oftentimes the laws that they pass aren't helpful to those who are suffering and sometimes even create more harm. And he said the reason is because the lawmakers are so disconnected from the very people they're trying to help and serve. They're not in close proximity to them. A few weeks ago, I preached in June in our Open and Affirming Celebration Sunday on the importance of running towards the pain, right? As Christians, it's our job to run towards the pain when and where we see it. And Stevenson communicated a similar idea just using different words. He says we have to draw in close proximity to people and know their stories, and that will inform how we can best stand alongside them and help them. And that brings us to our parable this morning that we just heard about the parable of the sower. And Jesus tells the story about the sower, you know, who plants the seeds on a path, and the seeds get blown away, and then on rocky ground, and on thorny bushes, and then finally on fertile ground. And this story is not allegory for Jesus. Just before this, in the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples lost all faith in him when they were in a boat on stormy seas, right? And they thought the world was ending. They'd lost all faith in Jesus. They were not hearing the gospel in that moment. Very rocky ground. And of course, we know the Pharisees are constantly trying to choke out Jesus' message. And then after this story, he goes to Nazareth, you know, his hometown. And you'd think of all the places where he conducts his ministry, that among his own people, his own community, that they'd be receptive to his teachings and his ministry, but they're not. The Nazarenes run him out. 
And so Jesus knows what it's like to go to places and try to teach and preach about God's love and to be completely rejected. And the Methian writer is writing to the first century Christians living in Palestine. And at this time, it's really hard to be a Christian. They're being persecuted. There's false prophets popping up all over the place. People are leaving the faith. And so the gospel writer is trying to impart to them, hold fast. I know it seems like all the ground is rocky and nothing is taking root. And this message is never going to spread or take root. Just hold fast is what the gospel writer is communicating to the hearers through this parable. And I want to talk for a minute about this tenfold and thirtyfold and hundredfold harvest that we heard about. So in that time, a sevenfold harvest meant that it was a really good year. They had a great crop. A tenfold harvest was one for the record books. You know, that didn't happen very often. But in the parable, we hear about a 30-fold harvest. A 30-fold harvest meant that a cropper grew enough food to feed the entire village for a year. That was extravagant. So much food, it was really unheard of. And then we hear Jesus talk about a 100-fold harvest. That was impossible. If a farmer had a hundredfold harvest, they would be able to sell their farm, build a villa on the Sea of Galilee, and never work again a day in their life. And the reason we hear about the manifold harvest is to hear about God's extravagance and God's abundance, and we're called to spread the seeds of the gospel message far and wide with abandon, not with a scarcity mentality, This is not, you know, 21st century farming where you check the pH levels and you inject the seed into the perfect conditions and you know that it will germinate. This is first century farming. This is having a big bag of seeds and scattering them all over the place and knowing that that bag will constantly replenish and we will never run out of opportunities to share Christ's love with the world around us. And it's not our job to worry about whether the seed, whether the ground is rocky or whether it's a path or whether it's bushes or whether it's fertile. We just sow the seeds and God fertilizes, God waters, God plants, God nourishes, God gives us sunlight. God does all that. We are called to sow the seeds. Now I know one of the most satisfying things about gardening is watching our seeds take root and blossom. I don't have much of a green thumb at all. I'm sorry, Candy Nordland, before she went north for the summer, gave me two beautiful plants in my office, and I regret to inform you, Candy, that they did not make it. (laughs) They didn't last my two-week trip, and they are very sad in my office. So if you want something to live, please don't give it to me. I don't have a green thumb. But I have planted things in the past, and you know, whether it's a seed starter or whether it's a seed right in the ground, When you see that tiny green shoot sprout up out of what looked like lifeless dirt, it is so satisfying. And you want to plant more and you want to see what else is going to grow. And I really hope those kids plant their seeds because it's so wonderful to see that. Well, the unfortunate news about this story this morning is that God calls us to plant seeds and we never know if they'll germinate. We might not see the fruits of our labors. We might plant seeds today on ground that we think is rocky and inhospitable. Nothing would ever grow there. But way long after we're gone, 
You don't know. Those seeds might take root and blossom, and we don't necessarily get to see that. So we have to hold fast to our faith in God, knowing that we plant the seeds, and what happens after that is up to God. And what do we have to do when we plant seeds is we have to be in close proximity to the land, right? As Stevenson says, we have to be in close proximity to those we're helping and those we're serving. Well, we can't plant seeds way over there in that community that needs help if we're here. We can't plant seeds over there. We have to be among the people or alongside the individual in order to make a difference, to be loving and caring and empathetic and compassionate and all the ways we express Christ's love to other people. We have to be close to the earth, close to the land in which we're spreading those seeds. And remember, the seeds, they might germinate all around us, and they might just take root in ourselves. How many times have you had an encounter with someone where you were there to help them or to lend a listening ear or to advocate for them, and the encounter changed your heart and was transformative for you? Sometimes we don't, you know, we don't expect to be the ground in which that seed is going to be fertilized, but sometimes it changes us. And Stevenson said when he went to visit that man, he thought, you know, I'm not going to make any difference here. But hearing that man sing made him realize that they were only going to get to higher ground together. And he was able to hug him and wrap his arms around him and telling him that the worst act of his life did not define him. And that their destinies were intertwined because we are an interconnected people. And so lest we think, oh, that we're helping somebody else and the seeds will will take root and grow over there. They might take root and grow within us. And thanks be to God that Stevenson went to that federal prison because he said it was because of that encounter that he decided to spend his life trying to get people off of death row who had been unjustly convicted. And he's 63 years old now and has had a lifelong career of saving lives. But if he had stayed in that law firm where he was interning two hours away in that nice office, he wouldn't have been in close proximity and probably wouldn't have had his own heart changed. So let us make sure that we are fertile soil when it comes time for God's seeds to take root in us. Friends, 50 years ago, People planted seeds in this small, way southwestern town of Naples, Florida, not knowing what would take root. And sure, they saw them grow a little bit. But our forebears, they didn't have the privilege of seeing the place that this church has grown into. It reminds me of the saying that a society grows great when people plant seeds of trees under whose shade they will never sit. We are sitting under the shade of seeds that were planted by people long before us, and it is incumbent upon us to spread seeds with wild abandon where we are in our time and place, knowing that they might provide shade for generations to come after us. Amen. In a society that is concerned with measurables and outcomes and deliverables, cast those goals aside and just scatter seeds as often as you can, as far and wide as you can, knowing that there will always be more opportunities to spread God's love and we don't know how they will germinate and that is okay. 
And may you know that you are a beloved child of God. You are created in God's image. You can be a sower. And I pray that you go from this place in peace. Amen.